Hey friends, you're listening to Go Home Bob or You're Drunk, an irreverent media podcast. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Go Home Bible, You're Drunk, the podcast where we look at the world through the evangelical lens that we threw away, and it drives us to drink. My name is Justin. I was a evangelical culture warrior, pastor, thought leader, if you will, um, listener of conservative talk radio, and it set me straight on so many things. So, that's me. And uh, I am now not that. I listen to NPR occasionally and haven't pastored in years. So I'm joined uh, by my lovely co-host. Yeah. Hi, I'm Tori. Uh, I was definitely also like in, in the culture war for a very long time. And I am now really over it. It's actually bad to pretend like human rights are just like some cultural issue that people disagree on. They're a nice, they're they're a nice to have compared to the gospel. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I can't. So anyway, I left because fuck that shit. Yeah. (laughs) So this is why we, this is why we started, started our little, I don't know, podcast of atheists slash deconstructing people slash people who are still religious. Yeah. And send this podcast to their parents who are clergy, which I think is pretty fucking cool. That's amazing. That is a story that I I cherish. So today we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about something that is near and dear to our hearts and should be near and dear to the hearts of every human. And that's I mean, climate. if you like being alive, if you like being alive and like <laughs> eating food and like trees, we're gonna talk about climate change. We're gonna talk about specifically like evangelical responses to climate change and hopefully maybe tips on how to maybe not get through to your evangelical family, but provide them incentives mm, to yes. care about climate change. So this is what we're going to talk about. I think it, it's not, it sounds like it's a slow news week in evangelicalism. You know what I realized though, is that it, what we're doing is technically last week in evangelicalism. Like that's what we should have been calling this segment the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like a last week tonight thing. Exactly. <laughs> that's literally what this is. So it's not so much been a slow news week. Maybe we've just blocked all the people that provide us with the evangelical news. Well, for our I mental mean, health. furry Ben Shapiro is dealing with other crises and didn't have time to do his Christopher Columbus worship today, which I appreciate. So oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. We are we, recording this episode a little early on. Indigenous day, People's Day. The day that formerly known as Columbus Day. So it's Indigenous People's Day. I haven't even 
I live in Columbus and I haven't really thought about the man much today. I have, but it's only because I listened to the Behind the Bastards episode episodes. I shouldn't recently. say I, I have not thought of the man in any celebratory fashion. It's been mostly just, you know, like when people say happy Indigenous Peoples Day, I'm like, and also with you or and to you as well. <laughs> I love that. I'm <laughs> so good. And also, with oh my you. God. So, so climate change is, I, I, it is a thing. We like, in case it's not obvious. <laughs> What <laughs> on this podcast? Stop. It is a thing. It is happening, and unfortunately, or predictably, depending on how you want to say it, conservatives, particularly conservative Christians, are or dragging their feet. It's a polite way to put it. Actively against anything to do with it. I actually I had a a pastor friend of mine, former friend of mine, uh, who is my age. I feel like I need to emphasize this. This is not an old person. This person was in their late 20s when they were saying things like this. Like, this is a white man, but he would say people always talking about being green. I don't want to be green. I'm black. I don't care. I'm just going to like just but drive my SUV, pour oil on the ground. I'm black. Like, yes, yes, that the frown that Tori levels. is making. Yeah, there's, there's so many levels. levels. There's so many levels to it. <laughs> the, the, like, yeah, cool guy. Um, cool. Yeah. And, and he was paid money to, he still paid money to be the shepherd of God's people. Uh, so that's what we're dealing with. Gross. Yeah, gross. So, and I, you know, I, I, for me, actually, when I first, when climate change kind of first entered my consciousness mm-hmm. via National Geographic. There you go. You know, I initially was like, holy shit, like, this is a thing. And I remember thinking like, you know, just my own intuition, like looking at the the articles and this and that and i was like yeah this is this is this is this is a thing this makes sense to me yeah uh, it wasn't until you know i started shopping these ideas to fellow christians fellow ministers that they're like oh mm. no no we're not green we're black <laughs> um, sure buddy yeah sure okay buddy there's a reason there are very few people of color in your church uh <laughs> <laughs> we've made all this space for them why aren't they coming <laughs> Reasons, just yeah. reasons. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like the the like this person like it just it's like rolling in the memories of how problematic they were. So like so really and that and that was like it started. That's when Christians really started pushing back. This has been like 2000 or something. So that was an interesting experience for me to initially have this like yeah absolutely and this has not does not contradict my Christian faith at all. Does not contradict my political views, which are still very conservative. Like, right, yeah. there's not, there's no contradiction here. This makes sense. Like, and, and, and we're the people of truth. We're the party of reality and facts or whatever, you know, facts don't care <laughs> mm-hmm. about your feelings, which wasn't around at that time, but that was, that was that still was a sentiment. sentiment. Yeah. That was the sentiment, sure. you know? And, and then it was like, no, 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 no. Like we don't, we don't care about that. I think I always did care about it still, but it was like, it took a back right. burner. Cause it was like, okay, I guess. I guess add to the list of odd things that Justin believes that aren't in line with evangelicals. So that was kind of where I initially encountered it as a, as a Christian, as a evangelical. What about you, Tori? How was your, what was your first taste of climate change? I mean, I would like, I was, I was born and raised in Portland. And so despite the fact that like, you know, my parents were very conservative politically, my mom was like, she was really, really adamant about recycling. 
<laughs> making sure that the right things got into the right bins. There was a while there, like early 2000s, where she was like, she was really, she was really concerned about like fossil fuel consumption, even. It was like, this is, this isn't good. Like there's a limited supply here. Can't just keep burning through it. Um, and it wasn't necessarily like, oh, it's putting all of these particles into the atmosphere that are like trapping heat closer and closer to us and like in the fucking ocean. It was really just like, well, you know, there's limited supplies of dead dinosaur flesh, you guys. So maybe like don't run your car if you don't, don't absolutely have to, right? And I I was spending um a significant amount of time today thinking about the fact that like like millennials and gen xers are very much like god i'm so glad that i didn't grow up with like social media and i'm just like man i'm so glad that my mom didn't have social media (laughs) yeah for so many reasons right because like she you know she recycled she like got us vaccinated she like tried to be responsible with her fuel consumption and now she like doesn't give a shit about any of that stuff (laughs) it's like she just bought all she's just bought in like completely to 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 the to the you know like how, ideology. how do you go back like that's like going back on recycling to me like sometimes it happens you know i throw away a piece of plastic because it's just like you know whatever yeah like, sometimes you got to do it yeah and then there's sense. a part of me that's like should i dig it back out like i i just i don't see going from like i recycle to i don't recycle at all well she just moved to texas and they don't really do that shit yeah they also don't do consistent energy availability because texas is like a undeveloping nation pretty much they're a developing nation (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna get our own power folks like uh, we got some leftover power like if you want it nope nope (laughs) nope i'm gonna accept no handout let people oh freeze. Like I, oh, right. oh my god, god, I remember that. Like that ice thing. I remember the government uh-huh. officials being like, "It is not the job of government to help people." Like, then why are we paying you? Yeah. You should be doing this for free. Yeah, based like, on that logic, do do that job for free. What is you know? I mean, I get that Ron Swanson is like your, <laughs> but like he, he oh is a gosh, your patron a, saint. He is a caricature. Yeah, it wasn't meant to be serious, you guys. And Nick Offerman is not like that at all. Uh, yeah, I mean that was that was a really big one because I have I have family in Texas, so that was that was huge. I was like I was like texting with my cousins, and I was like, "Are you guys like? Do you have drinkable water? Right? Like that's these are like the questions that I'm asking, you know." And then it was like, Portland got just completely slammed. We had like nine months straight of like record breaking weather and it was fucking awful because like September 2020, we had all of those huge fires. So our AQI was like literally off of the chart. It was it was like in the 900s. The AQI stops at 500 just for reference. (laughs) Or it did one one time a long time ago. What what Um, is for everybody? What is AQI? Oh, yeah, it's the air quality index. So it's the number of particles that are in the air that can get into your bloodstream and kill you slash 
cause a lot of cancer and other kinds of painful death and are horrible for people with any kind of um, any kind of lung condition. So lots of people who have had COVID, unfortunately, now are going to be a lot more severely affected. But it's also like it's terrible for everybody. And like little kids have to also breathe, like old people have to breathe. It's just like all of it is a mess. Yeah, like the whole like able bodied people can handle it. Like, like well, cool, great, cool, like, yeah, they can handle it, but they'll st- they'll die ten years earlier. <laughs> right? It's like it's bad for able-bodied people. So, like, yeah. let's stop talking about that and talk about people that it's like really dangerous for. It's like the rubric of is it bad for you? Is will it kill you immediately or not? And if it won't kill you immediately, then it's fine. We don't need to worry about it. Like. <laughs> COVID. Yeah, like COVID. Like, it was not going to kill me immediately. I have a COVID four times. Like, yeah, your mm. brain mass is probably considerably less. <laughs> oh, no. But you're right. You're not dead. Oh, like, God. Oh, my God. Yeah, truly. I mean, it was just, it was, it was such a fucking disaster. It was like days and days and days of like just smoke everywhere in the house. Oh, gosh. In the car. Like, you just like could not, you couldn't get away from it. And then, and, February 2021, we had this massive ice storm, like biggest ice storm we've had in 50, 60 years at least, which caused like power. Like I had friends without power for three weeks because it took out so many power lines because everything was covered in an inch of ice. And we're just, again, we're not used to that. Our trees aren't used to that. So they were all just breaking apart. Yeah, I think, yeah, you sent me pictures of that. I was like, yeah, holy cow. Like uh-huh. this, they're like the trees just like, just like yeah, just like pieces. breaking, breaking to pieces totally yeah. Um, because it's like they can't they can't deal with all the extra all the extra weight. And then it was like it was June, it was like, you know, four months, five months after that, we had like this the, the heat dome, like this record breaking heat dome where it got up to like 118 mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Right. It was like 125 in fucking British Columbia. Like it was it was not good. And we like like there's there's like a, a lot of the trees here are now like completely singed on one side, like mm-hmm. like on the like on the on the west side where like the sun is setting. So you're getting all the, the harshest light. It's terrible. Yeah. So based on like just because of that, I've, I've begun to realize that like literally all of my conversations with all of my friends at some point we talk about climate change. Every single time I see anybody, it comes up because it's like it's very clearly like impacting our quality of life. And like, I mean, so many people died of exposure during the heat dome, like just in like Portland proper. There were like 60, 65 people who died, which is just for context, more people than like the Portland Police Department has killed in the last decade one weekend like because our city didn't do jack shit and our mayor was out on the river with his daughter just chilling yeah nice day to go Um, swimming right right which like truly if you're not the goddamn mayor like it was a great day to swim in like a river that's fed by glaciers so it's yeah it is it is like so much of this is starting to feel like let them eat cake. Like Ted Cruz taken off to Cancun while yep. Texas was under ice. Like yep. there's been other stories too of, of people suffering. And, and, you know, a lot of like mid, the Midwest where I'm at, you know, our winters are 
a lot more wet. Like, mm-hmm. like we, you know, I, I remember joking even like when, when I would describe I, when I lived in Colorado, like in Colorado, typically like it, it can snow like 12 inches and be right. gone in a day and a half just because the way the temperature it's is. And stuff. Very, yeah. It's really dry snow. It's kind of, it's a lot different than here for sure. So I remember joking, like, you know, and I remember growing up in Ohio, you know, if we got a really big snowfall, like late December, January, that stuff would be there for a lot, like month or two. Yeah. Whereas now like our, our winters, just a ton of more rainfall, like just mm. cold, like sleet kind of nasty, just mm. rain, which is creating tons of flooding, you know, yep. like, how many times can you have a hundred year flood every five years <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, before you yeah. need to start reassessing your you know, rubric for predicting yeah. floods? Yeah. Um, and literally all of the infrastructure in your entire fucking county, like all of it needs to be reassessed. Yes. With like ac- that much extra rainfall. Like, yeah, the ability to drain and stuff, you know, I, mm-hmm. a, a house I lived at previously, the backyard would be a swamp for, oh you my know, god, pretty much, you know, for a long time. It was just because it would just be frozen Oof. and it's because my neighbor, like we got all of his runoff and my runoff kind of all mm-hmm. dumping into the yard. Yeah. It's like, thanks buddy. Glad you're dry up there. So yeah, I mean, it's it. And so it's interesting though, in the Midwest, we don't, we aren't feeling quite as extreme of effects but it's it is slowly like you know i don't remember the last white christmas we've had mm, you know yeah. december you know christmas is too early in the year honestly for snowfall wow yeah like, i mean i mean it's still cool i wouldn't call it cold i could be wrong i mean but most it's suggested for ohio but yeah, yeah. it's just adjusted now <laughs> yeah it was like 40 degrees and i was still in a t-shirt today so i was you know. <laughs> oh my god so yeah so it, it's I notice it just as I get older and I've experienced more weather and climate mm-hmm. that it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, this, this, it, this does not seem fair or right. And, and I hear, I hear conservative friends even saying it too. So it's not, this right. isn't like liberal bias necessarily. Like, cause I, I, I fully understand I could be biased. I could be noticing rain more because I'm more thinking about it. It's like, no, like I, I hear it from all kinds of people. But so, also the data and, and the mountains of data. <laughs> And it's, it is frustrating to even talk about it. I know probably every listener has had a conversation that has gone south. It is frustrating to talk about. And very, very similar to COVID-19, climate change is a systemic problem that is in a lot of ways counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. Human brains aren't well equipped to forecast that. Like yeah, that kind of risk analysis and like, no, we can't no, do that. No, we we are not equipped to do it. Yeah, and this is why when climate change happens, species go extinct. One of the, well, I mean, one of the first major extinction events in I, I almost said human history. I should, should say Earth's history. Humans Balls. went around. You know, <laughs> like this was I forget if it was algae or something like that. They they were you know like Earth's atmosphere has so much oxygen in it because they were oxygen producing bacteria that eventually suffocated themselves. Oops. You know, like as you do, because their waste byproduct was oxygen, which they couldn't breathe. And eventually they emitted so much of it that, I mean, we benefited millions yeah, but also of years thinking, later. I'm, I'm thinking about 
our waste products is all yeah <laughs> that's what that face was about. Yeah. <laughs> like wait like, we have waste products like, too it's it's oops it's more than a metaphor <laughs> <laughs> so like this has happened before where a species evolves and produces waste and, and kills that, itself off and they die off like but if you only believe the earth is 5000 years old on the high end oh my god and you know humans were decanted out of the ground exactly as they are with no evolution at all like then maybe that metaphor is lost on you Ugh. So don't don't love it. I mean, thanks. Thanks, Algae, for your contribution. Also, we're following in your very tiny footsteps. Very tiny footsteps. The the Algae are probably like, our time is coming back. (laughs) These fuckers are going to handle all of this. Give them a few thousand years and it'll be Algae time. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's real. So in times of crisis, we look for answers. Turn to the word of God. And and some people find their answers in Genesis. <laughs> Tori, are, are, the answers, them. are the answers in Genesis? Well, I mean, it depends on what your questions are, I would say. But for the most part, no. <laughs> no, they're not. There's like pretty stories and ideas and like some kind of fucked up shit in Genesis. There, there are very, very few answers. However, if you were looking for an understanding of how ancient Near Eastern people viewed the world, yeah, the answer's in Genesis. Otherwise, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. I, any other question? Any other question you may have? Probably not. Doesn't found apply. In Genesis. Oh my gosh! Yeah, no. I well, so I was like googling all of all of the things, like trying to figure out, like, okay, like where you know, because we we grew up with like Christian science, quote unquote, textbooks, and you know, they were pretty like pro, yeah, like let's heat up the plant. At least that's like that's what I recall was that it was like, oh no, this means that like we'll get more and more bumper crops of stuff. Yeah, like, it's like this is a boon for Canada because they'll be able to farm more. Oh my gosh, yeah, and we'll be able to like access the Arctic Ocean, which means that more oil and war because that just those two things go hand in hand. Yeah. And like, like you guys are looking at all the bad so, side. The right, look at the exactly, bright side of exactly. global warming. That's literally that's literally what it was. But yeah, so I'm like I'm like poking around on the internet. I'm trying to figure out like okay, what are what are like actual climate scientists saying? Like what are people who work in like global health saying? Because yeah, like I'm just kind of I haven't been in it for a minute and you know, I know a lot of the arguments that I kind of grew up with. But I feel like things have gotten significantly more extreme since I've left. Yeah. I I looked up a Pew. I looked up. I couldn't find a more recent Pew research study mm-hmm. than the 2015. There probably is one. But but I was thinking like 2015, that's it's almost just bad data at this point. Right. Yeah. So right. much has happened. I mean, no surprise that, you know, white evangelicals you know, 47%, I think it is believed, you know, did not believe that it was man-made. Yeah. White evangelicals. Yeah. 28% of white evangelicals believed that climate change was caused by human activity. 33% thought it was natural patterns and 37% thought there was no solid evidence whatsoever for climate change. That was 2015. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Things are different. You know, but I honestly, my guess is that that number has actually gone higher for the no evidence and Mm, higher mm -hmm. for the, you know, natural patterns and lower for human caused amongst white evangelicals. That would just be my, that's my guess is they've not progressed in that area. You mean they're they're taking a slightly regressive approach to yeah. anthropogenic global warming? <laughs> yeah, I, I, but I would say that also probably skews with age as well. Oh yeah, that's the good point. Yeah, because I, I mean I know young youngish evangelicals. When I say youngish, I mean like under forty that that are concerned about climate change, but it's but it's low on the list if you were to put in front of them tax cuts. Or climate change you can have one they'll still choose tax cuts but but it's not a it's not an out out denial it's just more of a like oh it's almost more of like a what what can we do you know mm-hmm. we can't hurt the economy right yeah no the economy is sacred so you can't touch that that's just that's against the rules uh i did i did notice that creation.com finally got around actually i don't know when they originally published this it's it was last updated last week so i thought that that was the date that it was published they posted they posted a little thing and by a little thing i mean like a fourteen thousand word screed i don't know maybe it's an essay they were trying to give the appearance at least of like some amount of objectivity and critical thinking which that's that's its own fallacy i gotta be honest but they're talking about uh yeah so creation.com has this whole page about climate change and you know talking about like many christians have been asking about like you need to comment on global warming they put climate change in scare scare quotes so that tells you probably where they're landing which is said to be caused they say it's said to be caused by human generated carbon dioxide people are many people are saying yeah okay that's and ridiculous. So there, I know, and their their blurb here, like just at the beginning of this article, is just like staggering to me because they're like, until now, Creation Ministries International has largely avoided the issue. We don't think of it as a core creation gospel issue. Like, pe- people aren't a core creation gospel. Okay, okay, cool, <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that's the wild thing because I there was a Yale study. Um, the Yale program on climate change communication that said, you know, evangelicals are the most likely group of Christians to believe that God expects humans to be good stewards of nature. But in that exact same survey or study Mm -hmm. shows that they're the least likely to believe that climate change is real and caused by humans. So it's like, we're, we're the most likely to care about the environment and we're the least likely to believe that we're the cause of the problem. Well, I mean, I think that like, for them, stewardship means extraction. It means commodification. It means capital, right? Like that's that's what, in, from their perspective, like that's what they're like, no, God gave us the earth to pull all of the things out of it. Yes. like Not to leave stuff in the well, ground. Like in my social studies textbook, as a Christian in private school, you know, one of the reasons why it was okay to colonize North America was because the oh Native God. Americans weren't using it. Oh my God. You know, like, which they like, were. They were. <laughs> Y'all <laughs> they, just they, didn't they, notice because they, they weren't killing everything. Yeah. Like, just because they weren't like stripping forests for fields does not mean they were not mm-hmm. farming. Uh-huh. Like, like yeah. there, there's, 
like indigenous farming practices if you ever get an opportunity to read up on them so fucking cool man first off make a lot of fucking sense (laughs) monoculture it turns out is not a good idea you you fight nature the whole time and the second you stop fighting nature you lose (laughs) or it turns out nature nature also has a say yeah nature has a say and like in that there were buffalo in the state of ohio when so you know colonists settlers call their colonists colonizers got here but that's not because buffalo are indigenous to ohio like they were herded right. here yeah you know yeah very ingeniously by you know a very sophisticated network of mm-hmm. nations and tribes and like they had a whole ass continent over here working together oh like, my god like Dude, the, the the imagination that we were given of native yeah, peoples truly is to me criminal that they mm-hmm. were just these isolated tribes mm-hmm. out in the middle of nowhere, didn't communicate like it. Yeah. It is like so false. It. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It was just as sophisticated as Europe just as sophisticated it, like it as, really was yes. like it really was man like this is like something that i learned just this year because mm-hmm. like as a kid frequently growing up here it's like how did oregon get its name and everyone's like oh you know no one really knows how oregon got its name mm-hmm. turns out it's just like an anglicized version of essentially like fish oil because the columbia river which is like the main river in Oregon. There's a couple of big rivers in Oregon, but it was it was it was like this massive trading route for salmon, right? And so there were there were there were tribes in in the fucking Midwest who were regularly getting salmon, yeah, from tribes in Oregon or fish oil or whatever whatever parts of the fish they were they were trading for, right? And like we we like googled this stuff we were like looking in in the encyclopedia and everyone was like yeah i don't know nobody knows really where it came it's just like are you fucking kidding me like they had this entire like trade network set up and you just are like well that wasn't real that's not real like that's not yeah like ohio means beautiful river and Mm. well we would call it iroquois i don't think it's actually i think it's Haudenosaunee, but Oh, well, like the Iroquois Confederation yeah. because of the federal government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm tracking. Um, anyway, like so, most most state names are native names. So it's Montana. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. White dudes from Europe thought of that for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that's its whole other podcast, honestly. But it's it does speak to how blind westerners are to things that are not that they don't easily readily recognize like i don't readily recognize this as farming i don't readily recognize this as resource extraction because it's not like they didn't have gold and gems and things to trade right right yeah but it's 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 interesting it's like yeah I'm, i'm i just i can't see what's happening here is kind of what was going on in a lot like in so many of these cases yeah, I don't see this as a trade right. agreement because there's not this charter being drawn up and totally. you know, whatever. Totally. Or, or I don't see this person as a as a king or chief or leader because they're not being shown the kind of deference that I would show a king or chief or leader. Mm-hmm. You know, matter of fact, these people mm-hmm. are making fun of their chiefs. Why? How did you do that? What kind of barbaric <laughs> society is this? I know. So that's 
that's fascinating to me because I do feel like it, that lack of creativity has mm-hmm. led us to this moment yeah, where we are actively destroying the environment. I mean, all, almost all Western farming practices are actively destroying the climate yeah. in some way. But hey, I like to eat. So hey, is for horses. I'm sorry. Um, like, we would just I'm stop just eating like, beef. Hey. We would have so much food and we, land. We would have we would have a lot. Yeah, we'd have so much more of things. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that lack of creativity. So it's it's mm-hmm. like so when people say like, well, we can't do that. That's going to hurt the economy. It's just because we can't imagine an economy not that based doesn't exploit. on oil. And that does not exploit and doesn't extract value out of human beings and the earth. And Mm -hmm. we it's it's a lack of imagination, which is, you know, which is why we need indigenous voices. We need leadership. When I say need indigenous voices, I don't say that in the sense that like you got to speak up and take the hits like it's more. No, right. Exactly. It's we we need need to to be following their leadership because like our continent was not on fire and flooding constantly right it wasn't like you were just going between like floods and fires every single year like they actually had like all of this they had like all of this like generational information on like you know just how to how to manage fires and so which and like it was one of it was very clearly one of those things where like Europeans got to like Northern California and they're like what the fuck are these people doing why are you setting like there's no and 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 that's what people wrote down right like that's what European settlers like would would write like in their journals in letters it's like they just burn shit for no reason like this is stupid yeah it was these like people are dumb like they're just right. there's no productive reason to do this I'm just like oh honey let me tell you. Do you like drinking water? Yeah. There's no productive reason to do this, but I'll chop down this forest and I'll build a house just right here. Totally. Oh my God. Oh my, oh God, my God. There's fires now. Oh, like. Yeah. No, like the state of California is finally, like after 150, 70, I don't even know how many years, going like, oh, we should probably talk to like the tribal nations about this because they actually did know what they were talking about. Mm hmm. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> Took you till now to figure that out. Like now that you have a like horrific fire season every year where people die and property is destroyed, which is like the thing that you worship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which yeah, we'll we'll get back to that when it comes when we talk about incentives. Like Yeah. That's, yeah. That's it's the only way we're gonna turn this thing around. So, but before we get to that, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves because we first always need to go to the ge- answers in Genesis because that's where the answer is, apparently. So what, <laughs> apparently. Did, what, did, what, did, what did the Reverend Dr. Ken Ham have to say God. about climate change? <gasps> about climate change? And, and why we should not address it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know this, this is like the first thing that came up when I was Googling biblical view of climate change was this article in Answers in Genesis, I'm sure that we can like link to it. It's horrifying. Essentially, it's just called climate change in the Bible. And then it says the top four biblical reasons not to panic about climate change, which I don't think panicking is good. Just generally speaking, like that's not an effective way to get shit done a lot of the time. So, you know, but it's this, this article makes it very clear that they think that doing anything is hysteria. <laughs> So. Yeah, like 
<sighs> acknowledging that climate change exists is living in fear, which I will note. I just note. I just watched the article. Um, it was written in February of 2020, a month before the pandemic. So did the did the acknowledging it doesn't exist? Don't live in fear. Hashtag don't live in fear. Did that work out well? Well, I mean, they think it did because they don't know how many of them are dying. That is true. And they don't know how many of their neighbors they're killing, which they're even more indifferent to than like their church people that they're killing. They probably just think, oh, people just didn't come back to church. Like, well, no, they're dead. Jesus Christ, right? Uh, anyway, which they get to that at the end of the article. We're supposed to care about people, apparently. But um, mm-hmm. so they their little listicle here of why Christians shouldn't be worried about about climate change and gonna try to be like somewhat fair to them, I guess, until the end. <laughs> but it's like God is ultimately in control, is the first thing that they say. Which having multiple like catastrophic hurricanes <laughs> hitting like the Caribbean and like Southeast US and mm-hmm. like Central America. God's doing a shitty job of being in control, man. Like, I don't think anybody, like if if you or I, Justin, were in charge of, in control of the weather. The weather. And we, and we just, you know, just hurricanes, whatever, let her rip. Like flooding the entire like Great Plains, Midwest, like fuck it. I don't care. Doesn't matter. Like I'm in charge because I'm here. Right. So that counts. Yeah. What are you doing? Your complaint has been lodged and filed. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> oh. I, I, I can't do anything about it. So they're like, they try to like walk this really f- interesting line of like, a word of caution is needed here because many Christians take a cavalier attitude towards the environment because of the biblical truth that God is in control. They shrug their shoulders and say, it doesn't matter what we do with the earth. God's got it handled, you know, whatever. So, yeah. So they they do argue that, like, and they use the word dominion, right? Like, so that's just for context. In Genesis, God gives some kind of power to Adam. To sub- subdue and have dominion over. Right. Over, over the garden, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does he say the whole planet? Whatever. Adam didn't know there was a planet. Fuck him. So, (laughs) yeah. So they're like trying to kind of walk this really narrow line of like, there's a balance between like man's responsibility and God's sovereignty. And they're, you know, they're not mutually exclusive. They go together. Like we have to work with God. And it's like, God cares for what he's made, which again, like, where is he? This is like, God Mm -hmm. is like the ultimate quiet quitter. Like he made that shit super popular. I'm Mm -hmm. just saying. Yeah. Like nobody has noticed that that dude is gone. He's still collecting a paycheck. God's a quiet quitter is (laughs) t shirt. um, T shirt material. The second point, though, however, is God has commanded us not to be afraid, which we were talking about this before we started recording, but like, don't be afraid is like, okay, I'm just going to cognitively check out from this conversation, is frequently what that means in like an evangelical framework, right? And they're like, well, God tells us, fear not. Fear not. Yeah. Uh, when, that, that fixes the war. But you have kids, <laughs> Tori, when yes. they're afraid, when you just tell them, don't be afraid, do, 
does that well, work? See, so the first thing that I go and do is I like run into the closet really quick and I change into this outfit that's covered in human eyeballs with actual <laughs> eyelids that blink and feathers where there's no eyeball space. And then I come out and scream at my kids and then they run away. So there, it doesn't matter if they're afraid or not because I yeah. don't have to deal with it. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Yeah, like, and yeah, the, they've even mentioned in the article that, you know, it says, do not be afraid in the Bible 365 times, which I've never verified that, but oh God, the sermons that. Oh God, that's horrible. Yeah, 365 yeah. Every, once for every day of the year. Yeah, once for every day, you know, we have to pay attention. But, but it's, it, evangelicalism has turned the feeling of being afraid into a sin. Mm-hmm. Like you are not allowed to feel afraid. You are not allowed to voice that you are afraid that the feeling of fear is something that you need to suppress and get rid of, which like I understand the Bible, at least I, from what I understand, the Bible is more talking about not being controlled by your fear, not letting fear be the thing in the driver's seat. I feel like that's good advice. The problem is, is when you numb yourself to feeling fear, it's in the fucking driver's seat. Yeah. And yeah, you don't you know it. it. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm, I'm, again, we saw this with the pandemic. We see this with climate change. You know, these people screaming, I'm not going to live in fear, but are very obviously afraid and being I mean, utterly controlled yeah. by their fear. You have more guns than hands. You are terrified. <laughs> yeah. Or, or like these, this alpha male nonsense that's uh-huh. like, which we could have covered today, which I just chose not to. But like, if you have to put alpha male in your Twitter bio, like, guess what? Sorry, bud. Like, automatic disqualification. Not it. <laughs> like, not that being an alpha is even a thing in nature, but right, right, yeah, it's a thing in captivity where animals compete against each other in artificial environments so i mean artificial scarcity (laughs) artificial scarcity so i mean i suppose it is a commentary on our society yeah it's like trying to make fetch happen to be honest it's like there are just certain conditions under which fetch is not going to happen yeah so i think it's it's one of those things that we the the as people that communicate to evangelicals have to understand like this is a population that has been taught to not feel fear to a degree that is unhealthy. Right. You know, like, again, like we said, what is internalized is like, I'm cognitively checking out of this conversation, this issue, et cetera. Yeah. This conversation makes me feel fear. Therefore I should ignore it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not to God's be best biblical. for me. It's not God's <laughs> best for me to think about an existential threat. The consequences of my actions. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh the thing is i can see i can i can like see and hear an evangelical say it's not god's best for me to talk oh, about the consequences yeah no um, truly truly and there's like there's this is like a this i mean the whole this whole article is actually really really fascinating to me setting aside the fact that it makes me like stabby but like the the things that they bring up really kind of lend themselves to an analysis of of the ways that like evangelicals exist in the world, right? Like, so one of the things that they say is like another thing that we should fear not should be obvious. We live in a day of fake news, 
clickbait headlines and politically driven decisions that the media is more than happy to present as the only option to stave off the impending doomsday, which is really rich coming from people who are literally trying to start the apocalypse, but whatever. Things are not always as they appear. The article goes on. There's a great deal of interpretation that goes into climate, uh, the science of climate change. Hence why models are more often than not simply wrong. <laughs> no source cited. Nope. Vibes. Like, like, 100% vibes. That's the perfect place to put a link showing a study that's wrong. Nope. That's not there. No. Oh, like. Uh, if anything, like this so far, if somebody wants some data, we've like climate scientists have been giving really modest analysis because like politically, like that's kind of as far as they can go. And things are actually getting worse faster than like climate scientists predicted. So, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of times when there's a great deal of interpretation based on the political climate, which is why the models are wrong in that they're more mild than what's actually occurring. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, the whole like, don't look up movie. Truly, was... truly, literally. Unfortunately, that's, that's unfortunately a depressing reality, like in so many ways. And so Christians have nothing to worry about because this is this is point three in the listicle that God has promised that seasons will continue. <laughs> um, <laughs> so God also promised to come back and that shit has not happened. Yeah. Um, God's promised a lot of things. God promised mm-hmm. me freedom from sin and that didn't work. Uh, <laughs> so waiting on that one. Yeah. I just stopped calling it sin there. That was my freedom from sin. Problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just called. This is oh, a mild God. sex drive, not sin. Right. Uh, right. Have, yeah. Being in being just, you know, on the spectrum of normal human existence not sin i decided wow. being on the spectrum of normal was not a sin and being on the spectrum of not normal is also not a sin yeah there's yeah it's it's a spectrum it's a spectrum and it's human <laughs> and it's fine oh there. i can't i cannot with this god has promised that the seasons will continue like this is such a fucking cop out like please stop you guys which they do they can't go anywhere with this it goes nowhere so they're just like yeah, it's it is the shortest and weakest point, which if you're going to have four points, usually you couch the weakest one as the third point. I get it. But it's just like it's we, just, we know God. that predictable seasons will continue, which is it's that's wild because like, first off, predictable seasons for who? And uh-huh. like and, and no one is saying that seasons will stop. It's it's that the seasons that we have will be more extreme. Right, right. Like, that's. But, but Justin, the article does say that even as the climate changes, some areas that have been closed off to agriculture may open up. Oh, yep. Isn't this exciting? Silver lining everywhere. Whenever God closes a door, he opens a window. (laughs) (laughs) Like, why was that even a saying? Like, who came up with that? I would like to know. When God sets Georgia on fire, you can plant peaches in Ohio. Like, problem solved. <laughs> oh God! But what happens when God like kills the power in Texas? Like, does that mean that He's letting people not freeze to death in Mexico? Or like, how does I want to know how that works? Mm, I don't know. I, I guess I guess my heating bill will go down if it's not as cold. There you so. go. It's, yeah, it's perfect. So he who prays the most wins, which is the thing that my mom told me like every day. Oh God. 
<laughs> she's like a hardcore capitalist from day one like she did recycle but capitalism absolutely the most important so yeah point number four our focus should always be on people i just want to like i just want to burn things like this makes me so so angry like like the i i, I wrote like a page of like 10 point font like single single line like single space well it was kind of a rant but it was also like you know this is why all of these things are wrong because i was just very i was just i was fuming like i was texting justin earlier and i was like i want to throw my computer out of the window like these people are evil like i don't believe in evil as as like a construct but like this is a this is demonstrably harmful and dehumanizing so it's really cute that they're like oh, we have to care about people. Like, that's the most important thing. Because it's like, first of all, fuck you. You don't care about people. Your policy and the people you vote for every day tell me that you don't. So, like, get fucked. Well, and I don't know that anyone... Like, obviously, climate change impacting species and causing extinctions, like, that's that is a concern. But my primary concern with climate change has not been polar bears. Like it has been how it will yeah. impact people. Yeah. Like, and, and how mass extinction events will impact people. Mm-hmm. Like, so like, I, I feel like it is rich that we're framed as like, Oh, we're going to wreck the economy for the spotted owl. Like, right. No, that's not. No, like fuck the spotted owl. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> like I, that's not, that's not, why we're doing this that that is nice i don't want polar bears to go extinct like i know but i don't want people to go extinct like like that right. that is that is the and like that, the impetus has always been how it will harm people well but the thing is see they get to decide how it harms people and they get to tell us how it harms people and then they get to decide what to do about it because they're the only ones who know yeah because they've found the answer in genesis (laughs) you know oh my gosh oh it's like yeah it's infuriating because they're just like god's creation matters to him so people have value we always have a humans first approach to environmental issues just like uh the people who are being most impacted by climate change like clearly like the global south but like like island nations and africa are if you're looking at the numbers being the most detrimentally impacted and you fuckers are fine with that and 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 straight up lying about these people like demonizing people in these circumstances and dehumanizing them and saying all kinds of awful things about them, misrepresenting their stated opinions as individuals and, and fucking nations. And I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just not cool with it. Like they're yeah. like, yeah, these, how these, does this, Oh God. So Ugh. these, these fuckers, let me show you how they frame this. So how does this impact how we view climate change? Well, many of the radical policies being suggested by alarmists will have detrimental effects on the poor. For example, you know, and again, no sources cited. This is just all the top all of, vibes. Yeah, all vibes. <laughs> One of the best ways to lift nations out of poverty is to provide access to inexpensive energy. Which well, just cursory Google scholar search does not reveal cheap energy as like the key to ending poverty like it's usually not in the top 10 anyway and, go on and I, a lot of these nations have access to cheap right that's not energy. the it's not um, even the issue 
But the global push for only renewable and therefore expensive and unreliable energy in developing nations will have a harder time to advance. Like, like, so first off, the framing is like economic for one, Mm -hmm. like, you know, these people are poor as we assume poverty is. And the best way to get them out of poverty is to give them access to gasoline and coal. Like, first off, how's that working for West Virginia? Like Texas, would you like to would you like to phone in right now? I just yeah, like 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 it's just like here's our one solution for poverty is to just throw energy at them, energy and cheap (laughs) cheap energy, and and well, it's just uh, God, the framing is so bad. And I mean, I think that it's really interesting because it's like they're like it's like only renewable, which we like we're really at the point where we have to like put a hard stop on a lot of this shit so like i think that we're we're there personally but you know whatever they don't agree but they're like it's expensive and often unreliable i'm like these people already have unreliable expensive energy like again what, tex- like, what, the like, texas what, power grid what are you talking about like like that's like the majority of the global south has expensive unreliable energy you guys like i'm not even sure what you're arguing right and it's like a huge part of that is because of American foreign policy, <laughs> because like we literally exploit people and like steal resources that we extract and leave messes that like literally cannot be fixed because of like all the mining and extraction and like genociding we're doing. And then we like fucking pay- we pay off government officials and then turn around and be like, oh, these governments are so corrupt. Like, Jesus, what are we what are we going to do? Like, we can't work with these people. It's like you literally incentivize the corruption. And now you're like saying oh well you don't get food now because we chose to corrupt your government by bribing them oh and by the way we're still giving money and arms to the corrupt elements in your government just because you know we want to make money on both ends yeah though yeah the u.s foreign policy is western foreign policy colonizer policy i should say is still we drive we're we're in the driver's seat there it's just it, it it shows like i mean we could go on this point all day but uh-huh. It just shows again the the pernicious way that evangelicalism makes you so myopic when it comes to solutions and makes you so myopic when it comes to what the problem even is. Is is the is it really their problem is a lack of energy? Like and that's it? Like, you know, maybe they're experiencing the effects of climate change and would like, you know, better dams. Not dams, but better ways to mitigate floods. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, maybe. so it's oh. obviously this isn't a scholarly article, but it's it is written in a way to educate. It is written in a way the SEO is really good. So any any not any 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 grandma, any any kid that wanted to be like, what is a biblical view of climate change? Like we that's what we googled to find this stuff. Like this this is what's gonna come up. And I'm that's what's gonna, this is what's this this is the first article that comes up for for both of us. So Google thought that this was a good a good a good biblical solution for yeah. climate or view of um, climate change. So and that's and and some people will read this article one time and go, well, yeah, that's right. Golly bum. Like mm-hmm. you know, these these climate change alarmists, like, you know, and I, I care about poor people. I don't wanna I don't want to see more people in poverty. Like we need to get them some oil. Like and anyway, I like I really I can't with that. That argument is just like just it just it just fucking kills me. It's like this global. But, but yeah, it's like they go like it just gets worse and worse and worse. They're like, 
Those for only renewable and therefore expensive and often unreliable energy, like developing nations will have a harder time to advance and poor populations are likely to remain in poverty. And like war causes poverty. And that's like our number one biggest export here in the United States. Yeah. Didn't mention anything about like war profiteering. U.S. military pollutes a shit ton, like more than most countries <laughs> didn't come up for some reason. Yeah. And I, I can't understand the perspective of and I've heard folks from developing nations talk about how, you know, the United States, Europe, to a lesser extent, China, Russia, like we developed our economies in, you know, the, the initial industrial revolution, incredibly dirty fuel, mm-hmm. incredibly, you know, and and who are we now to police the world's emissions after mm-hmm. we, you know, yeah shit everywhere and then now so i do i understand that argument we also have the wealth to give renewable power to the world Mm -hmm. like it's yeah or to pioneer those technologies to make them cheaper like yes and more reliable initial r&d is expensive and and not reliable for everything that includes like coal incredibly inefficient when it first started Like you think about, I I think about gasoline, like just as a concept, Mm -hmm. like you got to pull it up out of ground. You have to refine it. You have to ship it to, to, to the consumer. So like all the transportation infrastructure, like the sheer amount of infrastructure that had to be created from nothing to get gasoline from the ground to your gas tank that you can pump yourself, like all the R and D, all the safety protocols, all of the government regulation, all of, you know, all of that that had to happen. A, a complete restructuring of the way cities are built, the way economies are structured, like literally every aspect of our life revolves around gasoline, and and we did that willingly. And I don't even know that that's evil per se as but to think we can't do that again like yep that was the one time we found a new energy source and we reorganized everything we can't do it again that's possible that sounds to me like the kind that sounds to me like a bunch of people that still profit off gasoline telling me we can't do it (laughs) like it is really funny how like human like conservatives libertarians are like human ingenuity is completely limitless except like coming up with something better than fossil fuels and capitalism that's where it just like hard stop nope can't do any better yeah never like, it's not possible yeah it, it, as good as it's gonna get it's that fallacy that we're the peak like yeah we're wow. the peak yeah you know? yeah we're the peak man we're the peak economy we're the peak energy source we're the peak religion yeah, yeah. like we found it oh uh, gross yeah i never even i never thought about it that way you're you're absolutely right i just and i think that like i think that that's a good point like we we actually don't have like any kind of moral authority to like police smaller nations and tell them what to do What's interesting, however, is they're telling us right now, today, 2020, what they need to mitigate the effects of the mess that like we caused because of the Industrial Revolution and fucking gasoline and how we built our entire 
planet around the extraction of fossil fuel. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like they're telling us what they need, what they need built, like in terms of infrastructure, they're telling us what they need, like financing for, like, we don't get to tell them, what, like, for, like, we don't get to tell developing nations what to do. Like, I'm sorry, we just don't like we, we made the mess. So we have to clean up our shit. And like, whatever's left after like between us and China, <laughs> like, we can handle that when we get to it. Like, we have to deal with our own shit first. And, and like, I totally think that that's completely valid. But like, if we cleaned up our own shit, like most of the mess would be gone. So like putting it mm-hmm. on developing nations, like Africa produces 3% of like the entire planet's CO2. There's a billion people that live on that continent. 3%. Yeah. And like one of our military privates, like probably <laughs> produces more carbon <laughs> than an African nation right now. Truly. Like, oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Like us as individuals, like if, if you have a really like, if you're going for like the pro-black lifestyle of consuming all of the like all of the like fossil fuels and like oil products that you possibly can, yeah, you probably do have a bigger climate footprint than a mm, yeah a lot of really small countries. I think I, I remember reading something years ago, and I don't know how true it is or if it's changed, but like if every human being on the earth lived like an American, we would need five Earths. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a, I, I do think it starts with an under, we have to start with an understanding that our economy, our way of life mm-hmm. requires exploitation. Like it requires people to have and people to have not. Because if everyone had, we, there would literally not be enough. Yeah. <laughs> like it just yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't, we, we, we would die as a species for quite quickly. You know, so like when people talk about like, well, socialism, everyone's equally poor. Like, uh well, but we we'll are all have healthcare. And right, like, right, exactly. Oh my like god, equally poor, equally poor, equally poor. Like w- like five weeks of vacation and like paid maternity leave equally poor. Like sure, okay, whatever. Yeah, well, Sounds terrible. Sign me up for poverty. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, right, like it's not like America poor. Just for context. Yeah. <laughs> like you're not gonna go broke if you have to have cancer treatment. Yeah, not going broke if I have to have cancer treatment. I get vacation time. Women don't my have kids, to worry about losing their jobs. My kids get, get to go to college. This is like this is better than most middle class Americans, honestly. Like that is that's like upper middle class American lifestyle. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, they're like that's poverty. I don't know what to tell you. Oh gosh, I just like I hate that they like with the framing in this article i like i really resent that they just like feel fully confident to just speak for developing nations and then there's blatantly lie right yeah like just blatantly lie it's like we have to think about poor people this is one of the challenges we have to consider as we wrestle with the issue of climate change thoroughly i'm like not literally nothing about this is thorough like this is all propaganda like this is propaganda yeah. And like, and it's on to the guise of caring for people. I think that's what makes it even worse. Like if you want to yeah. be, if you want to yeah. be racist or speak for developing nations, like on your own time, fine. But mm-hmm. if you're going to do it under the guise of caring for people like that is again, that's colonial bullshit. That's all oh, these people don't know how to farm. Let's <laughs> enslave them and then teach them how to farm. Like that'd be good for them. Like, no, no. Mm-hmm. Like th- these people don't have cheap gasoline. Like, let's build an oil refinery here for them. <laughs> like, like that's 
Ah, stop, stop, stop. As all of as all of my indigenous friends say, you can't drink oil. Yeah. Like, doesn't matter how much you find, you can't drink it. You can't drink it. Like, just doesn't matter. Can't eat it. Actually, it would be interesting to, I don't know if I'm sure it exists somewhere, like to see indigenous perspectives on oil tar sands like you know things that were found in nature i mean not in the same degree because oh, yeah, they're yeah. buried out of the ground but like what was the perspective mm-hmm. like, like toxic yeah. toxic death sludge i don't you know and what's interesting is i don't think it's an accident that we don't know that yeah, given the fact that they were actually like good stewards of of like the land I think that it's not an accident that we have no idea what they thought about the oil that they clearly knew existed. Yeah. And just didn't care about because it, yeah, you can start a fire with it. Great. Cool. Great. We already know how to do that. We don't need this shit. Like this is too much work. Well, so the answer is not in Genesis. So we're going to take a quick break for some capitalism and see if we can't figure out how, how to disentangle your relatives from, from this mess or at least try to stay sane through it all right uh thanks everybody we'll be back hey everybody thanks for worshiping some mammon with us we're recording pretty early so we don't have any patrons to thank this week but thanks to all the patrons that we will have next week and people who get life verses inspired by the holy spirit or Satan, or Shelob, or whoever you happen to worship. <laughs> on any given moment. <laughs> on at any given moment. Um, if you want to participate, you can go to patreon.com slash gohomebible and sign up at whatever whatever tier feels good for you. And um, you can come have some, some sweet combos with us on Discord. And you can listen to me rant about Lord of the Rings, because I'm just sort of can't get off this kick right now. <laughs> so yeah. Patreon.com slash go home Bible. Huge thanks to all of our patrons. If you can't support the show, totally fine. Just, you know, shoot this, shoot a link to this uh episode to a friend or to your to your racist uncle. <laughs> to, to your black friend. <laughs> Uh, not like black black like white black your yeah, white, white black friend. your white black friend <laughs> like if you got any rachel dolezal situations going on like text it to them yeah do that leave some if you leave a positive review also awesome and helpful and yeah thanks so I, I, trying to get back into this and I, it's hard to, i mean obviously climate change solutions are beyond the scope of this podcast we're going to solve this shit, Justin. We are okay. not going to stop recording until we figure this shit out. You know, I'm here for it. I'm, you know, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't, ex- I wasn't expecting this, but let's do it. But I, I do on, think I'm starting a live stream. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> well, cause like, well, going back to that stupid answers in Genesis article, like where they're talking about like, basically that poor people are, you know, you know, clear cutting the rainforest and you know leaving trash everywhere because that's what poor people do like i i think to me the the power of getting someone to ask the next question yeah is what is so important because like this 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 article makes these absurd claims like let's just say like farmers are clear cutting the rainforest in brazil that's a problem 
Okay. We, I think we all agree with that. Okay. Like, why <laughs> are they clear cutting the rainforest? Asking that next question. And that's a, that's a scary thing because then you realize that it's like, oh, it's because the U.S. government is incentivizing them to grow, you know, to have more beef because beef we cows. just can't get enough of that tasty cow. Cows are delicious, but, but they you can't are. have it. You can't have it every day. That's all. They. I will say, I will confess that it is the tastiest animal. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Like pigs are also delicious. Pigs yeah. are delicious, but I just feel like there's just some. Well, you can do a lot with pig too. See, now no. I'm hungry. Now, now, <laughs> now, now I'm hungry. Now I'm hungry. Like I'm. I'm. I was thinking about this today. I'm just like, man. Like the butter is like the reason that I could not be a vegan. Yeah, like, see, like, yeah, you butter I'm vegan cheese, except for butter. Things. Yeah, a butter <laughs> cheese, like, yeah, just the, the cow is just it's just a cow. I'm just saying. Totally. But I, well, the thing I think that we're, we're trying to say is, like, we do legitimately have to, like, cut back on our consumption of specific things, right? It's We're not saying, like, you need to skip eating three days a week, right? That's just, not that's not what's being said here. You know, and, and here's the funny thing. It's not that Americans can't do this. Like, I... Right. So I, my, my kids were sick with COVID two weeks ago. And so I was like, I had to entertain children while they were sick, which is fun. It's always fun. So, okay, this is going to be a long story, but you're in it now. You've listened to the podcast this long. Here we go. So we were talking about fluffernutter sandwiches because the word fluffernutter came up because we're talking about critical role. If you know, if you, if you know, you know, if not, just let it go. Whatever. So they wanted to make fluffernutter sandwiches. Like which fluffernutter sandwiches are basically marshmallow cream and peanut butter, <laughs> and like we toasted them and I actually like fried up some banana or something like kind of made it. Like, okay, you so know, that's not terrible. Semi gourmet okay. fluffernutter cool. sandwiches, but then I was like thinking, I was like fluffernutter sandwiches like came, were invented in World War One era because like supply shortages mm. and like these magazines were like, well, we have a lot of peanuts and we have a lot of corn syrup, so let's create something that like people can make for this was a this was supposed to be for dinner oh like, wow like oh, explains wow. a lot about the american palate but oh wow um, but but it's like so it's not like we don't understand sacrifice and changing the way we eat now the way we, we change the way we eat around like corn syrup which is a problem <laughs> in and of itself so it's not like we don't know how to reorient how we eat and our relationship to certain foods like beef to me now is a treat it yeah, is something same. that's like enjoyable we we you know we try to limit what we have i eat more beans now i eat more different sources of protein and it's like my life is better for it and it's not as hard as it has been advertised so as. you're saying that you're really suffering that like every moment of the day you're thinking about when is the next time that i get to eat a steak and potatoes so that I can prove that I'm an alpha male and not well, a beta. Well, see, I don't know if you've heard this on TikTok, but real alphas only eat predators. Oh, so, my fucking God. Like, prey animals are out. So this is why I consume my body weight in spiders every day. <laughs> yeah, we know we know how to make radical changes and getting people to ask that next question. I think that's a powerful thing. And I think they were being lied to about how difficult it is. 
right? Like they're trying to make it seem like it's this really hard thing. They are trying to like, I don't know. I don't know if you remember. I think it, I think it was like last year, but it's, there was at some point there was this, this like food website that was like, we're not, we're not going to post any more recipes with beef in it. And all of these conservatives were like, um, excuse me, like this is racist against me. And I will be canceling my subscription. And it's like, you fuckers didn't have a subscription to Epicurious or whatever. And also, and they're like their follow-up was like, you guys, we cut these recipes like a year ago and didn't say anything. So like you're all showing your asses right now. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like we we create this, there's like this manufactured outrage. And like I think that there's also this manufactured narrative of like it's so hard. It's like, I'm sorry, it's just it's really not that hard to like eat beef once a quarter which is kind of like my personal goal like i know that's like that's not it's not it's not a lot i know for some people that won't work but like for me i'm like it's just a really special treat i get to make beef stew and i think it's fucking delicious like it's just life-changing yeah (laughs) and i just i don't even think about it otherwise and we have yeah we've created this situation where yeah those outrage like i remember those these those dumb politicians that when the green new deal was kind of first being inked, they were out on the Capitol Hill steps eating hamburgers. Cause they're like, they're going to take your hamburgers away. It's like nothing about the green new deal had anything to do about taking hamburgers away. Like that. No one is trying to take your hamburger away. We're just saying Once again, like, they're burning the rainforest so that you can keep your fucking hamburger. Yes. Calm down. Yeah. <laughs> like you were literally not literally, but you are figuratively Cutting off your nose to spite your face. Yeah. Like, but sure, go ahead. Eat. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. Eat more of this. But yeah, I I don't think it is as difficult for sure. And I think that it's interesting that, you know, when you frame it economically, like, oh, there'll be an economic cost. I remember in the healthcare debates, they were talking about, like, well, you know, some people will end up paying more. You're right. You're right. That's true. Some people will. But who are some people? Like, who is the some people? (laughs) And it turned out that the some people were people that were making like 300K a year might pay more in the taxes than they did already in their insurance premiums. But the vast majority of people would pay significantly less for health care. So it's interesting to me how it's framed. If we were to radically change our economy, would some people lose out financially? Sure. People that heavily invested in oil and gasoline would lose. But I've always want to ask that second question, like, who is actually losing here? Because currently, it's marginalized folks. It's mm-hmm. indigenous folks. It's poorer folks that can't afford, you know, various solutions around, you know, like, I used to live in Cedar Rapids. Cedar Rapids had a Cedar Rapids, Iowa had a massive flood like the year before I got there, like devastating, like right through the middle of town and they were rebuilding. Well, guess, guess who lives in the flood zone? It's not Mm. the wealthy people. Yeah. You know, so like the impact of climate change is going to hit poor people the most. The impact of the solutions to climate change is going to hit wealthy people the most. I don't care. Like, so it, it's like, yes, you're right. There will be economic consequences to somebody. Somebody will have less money at the end of this, probably. Who is that person? 
is I think it, that is a very important question to ask. Like, because I, again, it's, it's Berkshire Hathaway might lose some money on this. Well, and I think that when we're thinking about this framing, right. Of like, okay. So for every one person that's losing out, say 75 people are going to be better off. And that trade is not worth it to you. Like you think that like people should have to go without health insurance or I mean, health insurance is a fucking scam, but like access to healthcare so that like one dude can like own two Range Rovers instead of one, like really. And really when it came down to it, I remember the economics were like, it, it ended up for some people like a couple hundred dollars a month, which, you know, that's, that's significant. But for people that are already making three, you know, well into the six figures to have to pay a couple hundred dollars more a month. I, mm, I don't care. Like, yeah, sorry. Totally. Like I, I, I you, totally. you, you have not elicited any sympathy when the cost of you paying that is all these people that can't even dream about that as an expense. Right. Have it. Yeah. This basic human, right. Mm-hmm. You piece of shit. Like, like that, like, and that's the thing too. It's like, we're not like, the healthcare debate, this isn't like providing people with Audis to drive around. Mm. Like this is like allowing people the ability to go see a doctor when they're sick and not go bankrupt or get fired or get fired. Yeah. Because they, they took a sick day. Like that's this. Sorry. I do feel like climate change is going to be the same way. Like when we start Mm -hmm. like heavily investing in renewables you know, there'll be people like my stock portfolio is not doing as well. Like, Sorry, I, don't, bud. I don't care. And also, like, you had at least 30 years of a heads up. So that's that's on you at this point. Like, yeah, if you're like going to try to short the petroleum market <laughs> and you lose, like, go with God. I don't fucking care. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. If you understood that sentence, I barely did. But if you did, I'm sorry, I, I'm not. I'm not very concerned about you. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're going to be fine. You're going to be OK. So, yeah. So I think I think getting people to ask that next question is important. I also think it's important to understand the incentive structure that mm-hmm. has created this. Yeah. Like, And I go back to there was an ad in the 60s. I, I'm sure I've mentioned it a few times on this podcast because I, I i do think it's similar to this dumb article from answers in genesis i feel like mm-hmm. this ad can go so many places it was this was when single-use plastics were becoming much more common and baby boomers didn't know what the fuck to do with them and and their parents and so they would bring these single-use plastics out you know on a hike and then just like throw them places like i don't care what am i gonna throw this away i'm throwing it away now by throwing it on the ground. So this created like a huge <laughs> yeah. problem with trash so much so that Congress was starting to like, look at these companies being like, you're creating these single use plastics and it's causing a real problem. Like we're going to, we might start limiting this or taxing you for it or, you know, to create some infrastructure around taking care of this. Well, these companies, these companies got together and they started an ad campaign and it basically it was the like littering ad campaign, like don't litter. 
And that was the one where they had like the family and like throwing the bottle and like it rolls down into the river. And there's this like a Native American man in a canoe played by an Italian actor. And, like the single tear goes down their eye. Like it's a really powerful ad, but it's it wasn't put, it wasn't created by the Park Service. It wasn't created by any environmental groups. It was created by Coca-Cola worried that the government was going to like keep them from using cheap plastics. So they're like, we're going to motivate individuals. We're going to put the responsibility on the individual consumer to pick up after themselves. And I see that in the way we handle climate change. Like it's the individual consumer's responsibility to reduce their beef consumption. It's the individual consumer's responsibility to buy a smaller car. It's the individual consumer's responsibility to buy Tesla, you know, it's the individual consumer's responsibility to get, you know, a Google Nest thermostat and all these other things to prevent to reduce your energy usage. Meanwhile, the U.S. government, particularly our military, uh-huh. like it does not matter. Like we could how do all I reduce live my in consumption tents. of the U.S. military. Like, yeah. How do I? Re- <laughs> yes. Yes. Like I would like, like to cut that out of my budget, please. Yeah, and because, thank like, you. Like all of us could live in tents off the land, and it might not make a dent. If the U.S. government just continues to do whatever the fuck it wants to do and Amazon yeah. does whatever the fuck it wants to do yeah. and you know, all these companies, you know, but I also know like because of that ad, like corporations were shaking in their boots. And if you can create an incentive, an incentive structure, like they will do the right thing, right? Being in air quotes, because I don't I don't know that corporations ever do the right thing. They do what they're incentivized to do. Like, yeah, exactly. So they're not incentivize them to be responsible for all of their waste forever. Yeah. Like, and this, and, and there, there have been, there have been studies and there have been economic folks that have looked at this and said, you know, if we would have done a modest carbon tax 20 years ago, we would be in a much better position than we are Mm now Mm -hmm. because corporations would have been incentivized to start developing these technologies earlier. Can I just also add when when we say like we'd be in a much better place, like there are people who are dead right now. Yes. Who would not be dead. Yes. Right. Like there are people who lost years, decades of their lives because we didn't do this. Right. And so we and we just like kind of let let the train run. Doesn't really matter where we wind up. Right. Somebody else has to deal with that. Like I can get out of here whenever I want. And I mean, I think that, yeah, it was like, we so rarely think about the human cost of like, just continuing with the status quo even, right? Like we so rarely think about the fact that that's something that has like a a measurable negative impact Mm -hmm. on people that, and you know, for, for whom like they're, you know, Hey, I didn't die, but things were real bad. It's like, there's also, I've tried really hard to get people to understand that actually like mental health is good for like, I don't know, workers being more productive, but they don't, they don't really seem to, they don't really seem to get with that argument. But yeah, it's like, so people who are experiencing trauma are like less productive. So if your goal is uh, the creation and accumulation of capital, you should probably not want people's relatives dying of like, pandemics or climate change yeah and like my company invests a lot in the mental health 
of their workers. And I, and I could look at that cynically and be like, well, we're just doing it to keep us working. Like, which is true. Yeah, but, of course they are. But it's also like, that's a company that recognizes the incentives of having a mentally well workforce. Like that's, there are, there are capitalist and free market arguments to be made for climate change, socialized healthcare. Mm-hmm. Yep. Paid time off, paid maternity leave. Mm-hmm. Like there are, and, and that is, that is why I, in some ways I have hope in the sense that even if we don't overthrow capitalism, there are, there are ways to make capitalism better mm-hmm. or at least more humane, yeah. I should say. And, but the sad thing is like, we choose the least humane version of it. And then say that like being humane is too difficult. Yeah. Right. It's not even like, oh yeah, like that's an option, something we could think about. It's like, oh no, that's way too hard. Like that's not possible. It totally, it's totally possible. Like, I'm sorry if you, you, you put a dude on the moon, like you can figure out how to recycle your own goddamn plastics and not make me responsible for that shit. Yeah. And to be, to be fair, baby boomers did not put a man on the moon. Their parents did. That's true. That is true. I suppose that it's, that's a good point. They like to they, take credit. They will claim like, honestly, folks, here we go. Most <laughs> of the things that baby boomers take credit for their parents did. <laughs> just gonna throw that out there this sounds like marxism to me bro i'm just you know like name a great accomplishment and it was probably done by the builder generation <laughs> so uh and i mean the the baby boomers did a great job of burning the bridges behind them i will say that mm, yes an excellent true. job almost intentional pulling up the ladders burning the bridges they're like pros pros and then pretending that they did it all on their own i built this by myself no it's like honey the army corps of engineers gave you a bridge so that you can get to your fucking job like what are you talking about i did this all by myself Mm -hmm. that was a a new deal program Uh uh-huh sorry socialism yeah bad news you work sometimes yeah my my great grandpa was employed several times Mm. by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers during New Deal programs in Tennessee, the Tennessee River Valley. So it's like, oh yeah, like I'm, yeah, that's real. You know my my family's economic fortunes, such as they are, <laughs> are rooted in socialism, and I'm fine with that. That is not a point of shame for me. That was like the government working for me. Yeah. So imagine imagining a Green New Deal. Where again, you're able to lift so many people out of poverty. It's not a glamorous mm-hmm. job. Like most of these are construction jobs, but like it's people a feel job. really good about jobs where they like can pay all of their bills and not be stressed out. People feel fucking awesome about those yeah, jobs, I, even I, if they're construction. I will I say, say that like construction isn't a big deal. It's a huge deal. I will say my time as a landscaper, which isn't construction, but it's manual labor. Like mm-hmm. was fulfilling in a way that pastoring never was. <laughs> I know, because real church is outside. I got to see some amazing places, honestly, because I I did that job also in Colorado. So we did like Ooh, landscape yeah. lighting and stuff. So like we're going yeah. like these like nice houses, like way up in the mountains. And it's just like I have this like great memory of like me and my coworkers. This dude wasn't even home. So we like worked on his house, it was by a river. We're like waiting in the river, like eating lunch, <laughs> having a great time. 
Like this is a good, like, are we even working? I don't know. So yeah, there's, there is so much that could be done. And I think making the case, making like our parents, Republicans, Christians are cynical capitalists when it comes down to it, which is sad. But I also think it is a thing that we can go, okay, I can make a cynical capitalist take for all of these things. Yeah, absolutely. I can provide a reason why it is good for your bottom line. It is good for your worker. It is good for making America great again. It is like you can make whatever your goal is, Uh whatever that goal is, the case can be made. Mm -hmm. And so I think, again, that that gives me hope that. Is Amazon going to be a good company ever? No, but I can probably provide some pretty good perverse incentives for them to care more about their cardboard boxes and the way mm-hmm. they treat their workers. So those are my two cents. Asking that other question and realizing that cynical capitalists are their own Achilles heel. So Tori, what about you? I mean, yeah, I'm like, I think that my orientation is is you know fundamentally pretty anti-capitalist but i also understand that like hard stops generally like somebody's gonna starve to death like someone's gonna get their not gonna get their medication like i think that you can do these things in a way that's thoughtful and meticulous frankly and just like you can slowly turn the ship around like it doesn't have to be like a we're just gonna you know just gonna throttle this thing all the way like 180 i I don't think that that's realistic i don't think that's fair to people you know and i i like i spend all i spend i spend time thinking about this all day i'm like there's so many things that we could do to incentivize people to do the right things right like all of the all of the like nimbies in portland who just refuse to let any like affordable housing be built because like their property values will go down i'm like there's so many things that we could do here to like incentivize these people to like let this happen right like the federal government already has like done reparations for which rich white people like they can do it again like you don't have to pay your property taxes for 10 years or like you don't have to pay your property taxes until you buy a new house or like you can get something written off on your taxes like rich people love that shit why are we not doing that and just being like shut the fuck up we're building an apartment complex (laughs) like i'm sorry about your property values here's fifteen thousand dollars towards your tax bill this year yeah what why is this not like we're not even we're not even trying to come up with options that could work that could incentivize people to be like just calm the fuck down right yeah well tori i was gonna buy a house where that apartment complex was and that's not fair to me that's true you can also get a tax credit (laughs) i'm sorry like this is i'm fixing fucking everything with tax credits (laughs) yeah like that was the thing when we were talking about loan forgiveness like like, well it's not fair to the people that paid it off well get a fucking tax credit right here's your gold star from capitalism like you win congrats you did the thing you did the thing like good job here's a tax credit for whatever to go to mcdonald's i don't know can you can you like like but like imagine imagine if it was like okay all these people that are bitching like if you really feel that like you need a thing like what if we just gave you like two thousand dollars in fucking savings bonds like imagine that Mm -hmm. like that would be it's like hey you paid off all your stuff so you can like try to cash this out now and it'll be worth nothing or you can like sit on it for 15 20 25 years and actually like get paid back for what you whatever you invested in your own education like that to me that's fucking valid 
Like that's a reasonable thing to do. We've just, and it's not even like, these aren't new ideas. Like, Mm-mm. no, these like, are things that have been done before. These had, they have been done all of them. And they were done. They built the United States. The best parts of the United States were built mm-hmm. when we did this. And then, and then Reagan, oh, you know, like, that fucker. Like, and that's another thing too. Like the, how rapid our parents restructured their morality mm-hmm. around Ronald Reagan, the way the country restructured its morality, its incentive structures, everything around that man. It's again, I was like, an, I was like shitting myself during this time. So I don't, right. I wouldn't experience it firsthand, but everything I've read, everything, everything I people have told me that have lived through that time, radical shifts can happen. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, and I, th- I think that you can make radical shifts in another direction. Now, is it going to, is it going to be everything you ever wanted? No. Like that, no. that is another thing that it has frustrated me about this. And I'm going to pick on my side for a little bit. We just get like everything all the time in our, you know, in our bloodstream and like, oh, incrementalism is socialism or not socialism is, is just more capitalism, Republican, whatever, blah. No incrementalism. We're going to like burn it all down. Like, honey, you don't know how to hunt. You don't know how to garden. <laughs> like, you don't want it burnt down. Like, Aww. I'm no, you don't. Like, you know how to live stream on Twitch. That is a useless skill if it's burnt all down. Uh-huh. Like, I, I think we do have to begin curbing our enthusiasm, not our enthusiasm, curbing our expectations of this to just like turn around. Like we're in a situation where global warming is happening or glo- mm-hmm. you know, climate change is happening. We're going to hit that two degree mark. If we haven't already, we're definitely going to happen. Mm-hmm. We're probably going to hit the three degree mark. That is going to happen. There's not, there's not enough that we can do now. There is enough that we can do to prevent Mad Max from happening for sure. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And there is totally. enough that we can do to lessen the blow, particularly for marginalized communities. I think we can do that, but it's going to take time and it's going to take work. You know, like Andrew said last week, voting is the literal least you could do. Yep. And it's going to take a lot more activism and it's going to take a lot more pushing like hell on politicians that might budge. Like mm-hmm. Biden, like might budge. He's, that not, he's not, been budging his entire fucking career. You yeah, guys like, like you can move him. You can move him. It, it takes a lot uh-huh. and he won't move as far as you thought he would, <laughs> but he budges. Uh-huh. Which is a hell of a lot better than Trump, who leaps in the other direction. <laughs> so thanks for letting us rant a bit about climate change and the weirdness that is evangelicals views on it. And hopefully trying to make a stab at making your Thanksgivings a little more productive. Mm, yeah. We're not going to fix it, but I think, Yeah getting people to like get confused a bit about like, Oh, Oh, I didn't think about that next question. That's because that's how it started for me. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so I think that's how we're going to, we're going to get through this. Anything else you want to plug Tori or send us out? Tell us people, tell people where to find us. (laughs) I'm like, who do I cast for? Uh, Never mind. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Who do we cast for climate change? Probably God, because he's not doing his job. Yeah. Apparently, he's in charge of the weather. Morgan Freeman in a bathroom. I said that it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Somebody else said yeah. it. Morgan Freeman in a bathroom. Smoking a cigar. 
<laughs> Why was I going to say that? <laughs> yeah. If you want to follow us on things, we are at Go Home Bible. The show is on Instagram and Twitter. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Tori Glass. And Justin is on Twitter and Instagram at Justin D. Gentry. And um, yeah, if you want to help support the show, means a whole heck of a lot. You can go to patreon.com slash go home Bible. Yeah. Otherwise, just send this episode to a friend and we will be back next week to rant at you some more. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Thanks.